You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of March 31st, 2019. The podcast that's working on a mystery, going wherever it leads. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's fossilize the news of the bogus. There are two big pieces of news this week, and the first is the passage of the European Copyright Directive, including Articles 11 and 13, which we've covered several times in the past. CNBC has a report, What Europe's Copyright Overhaul Means for YouTube, Facebook, and the Way You Use the Internet. Fortune posted, EU makes online platforms liable for users' copyright infringements. And NPR posted, EU votes to rewrite its copyright laws, delivering a blow to tech giants. Now, why am I reading out all of these? Because according to Article 11, which was renumbered Article 15 in the final version, what I just did is illegal, because they are the intellectual property of the news sources, and I just read them out without permission. This also applies to links and quotes as well. Article 13, which was renumbered as Article 17, requires websites to preemptively police user submissions for copyrighted content, basically requiring them to use expensive filters, and it's written so broadly it even encompasses memes. According to Pirate Party MEP Julia Retta, quote, The new copyright law as it stands threatens a free internet as we know it. Algorithms cannot distinguish between actual copyright infringements and the perfectly legal reuse of content for purposes such as parody. Obliging platforms to use upload filters will lead to more frequent blocking of legal uploads and make life difficult for smaller platforms that cannot afford expensive filter software. And of course, we've seen all sorts of problems with filters in the past, resulting in them misidentifying original content as completely unrelated copyrighted content, blocking public domain works, and even white noise. This hasn't taken effect yet because EU member states will have to write their own laws. And of course, there'll be a myriad of different requirements, so in order to comply, filters will be made to the lowest common denominator, leading to mass censorship. If content violates any European country's version, it could be blocked throughout Europe or even worldwide. The reason why is it would just be too expensive to write a filter to comply with each individual country's laws. And if other countries outside of Europe follow suit, sites like YouTube could just require the lowest common denominator en masse. But the big problem is the Internet doesn't recognize national boundaries. Aside from the fact that Europeans could easily subvert this with a VPN, IP-based geolocation is severely flawed. The only way China was able to conduct their censorship agenda was to control all external internet connections and build an enormously expensive firewall, effectively turning the country into a local intranet. There's no way Europe could do the same thing. There are just too many ways in and out. So they'll have it so that if any European user manages to post infringing content past the filter, the website is liable, which means they'll have to apply the most restrictive filter worldwide and also have to make special arrangements with the big content creators for fear of being sued for each little infraction. This whole thing is legalized extortion, nothing more. 
and none of it will stop copyright infringement anyway. The Pirate Bay is still up and running. BitTube is providing censorship-free alternatives. The internet will find a way. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. The other big piece of news is the results of the Mueller-Russiagate investigation, which the press has been saying for years is absolutely legitimate, and Trump is absolutely guilty, and he and his people are going to jail, and anyone who disagrees is an alt-right white supremacist conspiracy crank spewing fake news. Except, turns out, the Mueller investigation found no evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia to undermine the 2016 election. A lot of people, including this podcast, have been berating the news media for their extremely biased reporting and pointing out how actually they're the ones being the conspiracy cranks as they spin yarns about all sorts of things that ended up not being true, as they could have easily seen if they'd just done simple things like reading the dates on emails. This article from Matt Tybee just takes it all home, saying that this is as big a blunder as when the press insisted that Iraq had WMDs despite all the evidence to the contrary. He wrote, As with most press coverage, there was little pretense that the Mueller probe was supposed to be a neutral fact-finding mission as opposed to religious allegory, with Mueller cast as the hero sent to slay the monster. The special prosecutor literally became a religious figure during the last few years, with votive candles sold in his image, and Saturday Night Live cast members singing All I Want for Christmas is You to him, featuring the rhymy line, Mueller, please come through, because the only option is a coup. Of the New York Times, he wrote, Despite the Connect the Dots graphic in its other story, and despite the astonishing, emotion-laden editorial the paper also ran, suggesting we don't need to read the Mueller report because we know Trump is guilty, the paper was signaling it understood there would now be questions about whether or not news outlets like itself made galactic errors by betting heavily on a new politicized approach, trying to be true to history's judgment on top of the hard-enough job of just being true. Worse, in a brutal irony everyone should have seen coming, the press has now handed Trump the mother of campaign issues heading into 2020. Nothing Trump is accused of from now on by the press will be believed by huge chunks of the population, a group that, perhaps thanks to this story, is now larger than his original base. And of course, the news media is just acting like this is a big nothing burger, quote, 
Imagine how tone deaf you'd have to be to not realize it makes you look bad when news does not match audience expectations you raised. To be unaware of this is mind-boggling, the journalistic equivalent of walking outside without pants. None of this has been walked back. To be clear, if Trump were being blackmailed by Russian agencies like the FSB or the GRU, if he had any kind of relationship with Russian intelligence, that would soar over the overwhelming and bipartisan standard, and Nancy Pelosi would be damning torpedoes for impeachment right now. There was never real gray area here. Either Trump is a compromised foreign agent, or he isn't. If he isn't, news outlets once again swallowed a massive disinformation campaign, only this error is many orders of magnitude more stupid than any in the recent past, WMD included. He also implored them, stop. Just stop. Any journalist who goes there is making it worse. As for claims by many of them that they were just doing their jobs, Tybee wrote, we broke every written and unwritten rule in pursuit of this story, starting with the prohibition on reporting things we can't confirm. This whole piece is amazing. Give it a read. It's not just an excellent and detailed summary of the main points, but also a description of everything the press did wrong. He points out how ultimately this will have far-reaching consequences. Quote, this ultimately will be the end game of the Russia charade. They will almost certainly never find anything like the wild charges and Manchurian candidate theories elucidated in the Steele report. But the years of panic over the events of 2016 will lead to radical changes in everything from press regulation to foreign policy, just as the WMD canard led to torture, warrantless surveillance, rendition, drone assassination, secret budgets, and open-ended undeclared wars from Somalia to Niger to Syria. The screw-ups will be forgotten, but accelerated vigilance will remain. Russiagate has led to unprecedented cooperation between the government and Internet platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Google, all of which are censoring pages on the left, right, and in between in the name of preventing the sowing of discord. The story also had a profound impact on the situation in places like Syria, where Russian and American troops have sat across the Euphrates River from one another, two amped-up nuclear powers at a crossroads. And in a comment, he said, On the foreign policy side, we've already seen massive defense increases and more aggressive postures in Syria, Venezuela, even Ukraine, the Baltics. In the short term, this was a story about Trump. In the long term, it will be about asking for enhanced power to stop the threat. The other comments I'm going to look at are some epic tweets from a favorite of this podcast, Glenn Greenwald. I'm not going to read all of them because it would take way too long, but here are several, and they're just epic. While standard liberals' outlets obediently said whatever they were told by the CIA and FBI, many reporters at right-wing media outlets, which are routinely mocked by super-smart liberals as primitive and propagandistic, did relentlessly great digging and reporting. Sorry this is true. Check every MSNBC personality, CNN law expert, liberal centrist outlets, and hashtag resistance scam artist, and see if you see even an iota of self-reflection, humility, or admission of massive error. Not that he's giving the other side a break. Of the Federalist, he said in response to Ashley Feinberg, senior reporter of HuffPo, quote, Federalist writers are right-wing idiots, religious even, who just accidentally got the major story of the last two years right, while all your super-savvy Brooklyn liberal friends spread conspiratorial trash. Ironic lists and punctuation-free tweets will erase it. When Scott Tobias implied he was a white nationalist, Greenwald responded, 
I'm sorry your world collapsed and your favorite TV stars got humiliated. It's not my fault. I tried my best to warn everyone this would happen. And implying I'm a racist is stupid and boring and won't make things better for you. He also tweeted, The government has shown no evidence that X happened does not equal X did not happen. This distinction is so fundamental to journalism and the ability of humans to reason that it's genuinely stunning to watch people conflate them through ignorance and or an intent to deceive. I'm genuinely sorry if you spent the last three years believing a blatantly stupid partisan fairy tale ripped out of the pages of a primitive Tom Clancy novel and made it central to your worldview. I get that it's upsetting and disorienting when it got revealed as a hoax. Look inward. Having a team of prosecutors spend 20 months investigating something, armed with subpoena power, and then concluding they found no evidence for a crime they were told to investigate is not the same as, or even related to, a government assertion made with no evidence. The U.S. media, especially those responsible for misleading millions for years by endorsing and disseminating a hoax of a conspiracy theory, should investigate themselves and their own rotted institutions before demanding more investigations of others. Media stars like Chris Cuomo are using the same excuses TV media hosts used in 2003 to insist nothing was their fault. It's not our job to find out the truth. We're not investigators. We got nothing wrong. We owe no apologies. It's the most accountability-free profession. The cash cow is dying, and that's why they're clinging so tightly to it. It's also why they kept all left liberal dissent off the air for three years. They couldn't have their audience know that any of this was in meaningful dispute. Not just NBC as a corporation made huge amounts of profit off this scam, but so did their stars and personalities. They became unimaginably rich for life by peddling a fraudulent story for three years while purposely ensuring their audience never heard from those who questioned it. American journalism is in acute crisis, and things like this are why. Stop complaining about Trump's mean tweets to Wolf Blitzer and Chuck Todd and start holding your colleagues accountable. This is what is ruining trust and faith in journalism. I will bet anyone that A. MSNBC will never acknowledge the series of lies John Brennan used its airways to disseminate. B. MSNBC will never apologize to its audience for the disinformation he and so many others spread like this. And C. MSNBC will keep Brennan on their payroll. For two years, MSNBC basically kept off its airways any liberal left journalist who questioned their collusion narrative, and there were many. Even now, they won't let their audience hear from them. What are you afraid of? MSNBC, and NBC generally, purposely wanted their audience to believe that the only people who doubted or questioned their Trump-Russia conspiracy theories were Trump aides and alt-right supporters. It was active deceit. Even now, they won't air those who got the story right. And one more. You should definitely expect me to spend some more time talking about the three-year media hoax that drowned our discourse, the refusal of the media culprits who did it to take responsibility, and the implications of all this being revealed as a hoax. We'll be looking, Greenwald. I think one of the big points is that if these were just honest mistakes, they would have swung both ways. Half of them would have pointed to collusion, the other half would have pointed the other way. But every single one of them pointed the wrong way. At best, this is extremely biased and irresponsible. 
And that's just exacerbated by the fact that, even now, they still refuse to admit they did anything wrong. As we've shown over and over again throughout the many years this podcast has existed, it's CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, and the rest that's the fake news. They have shown time and time again that they're not the least bit hesitant to engage in political propaganda. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Were you triggered by that last story? If you were, too bad. I'm not issuing any trigger warnings because, as a new study confirms, trigger warnings are at best useless and can even be counterproductive. We've seen lately, especially on college campuses, that you have to give trigger warnings for just about everything, from any sort of rape or violence to anything even remotely sexual, even things that are completely unpredictable as triggers like applauding. Harvard University researchers previously found that trigger warnings themselves might be a problem. Simply mentioning the thing that will be triggering might itself be enough to be triggering. And that makes sense. Whatever you do, don't think about an elephant. And what are you thinking about right now? There's no way you're not thinking about an elephant. The other reason is that being mollycoddled like this may actually inhibit the ability of people to overcome the challenging material and prepare themselves for the challenges real life is going to give them. But it may not be that simple either way. A new study in clinical psychological science found the trigger warnings probably don't do anything either way. They don't seem to cause much harm, but they're not really helpful either. The study's editor was Scott Lillenfield, clinical psychologist at Emory University, whose previous work has shown that microaggression theory is completely lacking in any scientific validity. Still, the authors did provide a word of caution, quote, College students are increasingly anxious, and widespread adoption of trigger warnings in syllabi may promote this trend, tacitly encouraging students to turn to avoidance, thereby depriving them of opportunities to learn healthier ways to manage potential distress. If nothing else, it shows that trigger warnings just aren't worth the effort, and mandatory trigger warnings are completely unjustified. In fact, maybe there'd be an immense benefit in teaching people to stand up to cry-bully snowflakes and virtue signalers. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. 
and the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now let's make a firewall rule blocking this week's biggest bogun emitter. Microsoft search engine Bing has apparently decided that cryptocurrencies are evil and has blocked millions of crypto-related ads in 2018, according to Microsoft's own review. Why? Because government doesn't regulate it. Therefore, it's horrible. Quote, Cryptocurrency as an asset class saw a bull run in 2018. Okay, wait. What? It had a bull run in 2017? But 2018 is universally regarded as a bear market for cryptos. Not off to a good start. Anyway, quote, The high returns and volatility of cryptocurrencies invited a lot of interest from retail investors and speculators looking to make a quick return. There wasn't much regulatory oversight, and the overall pseudo-anonymity built into currencies like Bitcoin made cryptocurrency a prime target for fraudsters and scam artists to defraud end-users. Bing Ads therefore decided to ban cryptocurrency content from our advertising platform and block more than 5 million ads containing cryptocurrency content. To this day, Bing still bans cryptocurrency ads. They follow Facebook, which banned all crypto-related ads in early 2018, and Google, which followed up in June. This severely hampered the ability of cryptos to get the word out about their existence and innovations, and although both platforms partially reversed these policies... The limited ads that are allowed require pre-approval. Several cryptocurrencies have made a big mark on people through social media, word of mouth, and grassroots activism. But that just isn't going to be enough to spread this information and gain the exposure they need. For example, in Venezuela, Dash has made a lot of inroads through grassroots efforts to get customers and vendors to use Dash, but it wouldn't have made anywhere near the progress they have if they hadn't been able to purchase billboard advertisements. Any industry that isn't allowed to advertise or is severely restricted will be put at an immense disadvantage in the market. Governments understood this perfectly when they prohibited or severely limited advertisement of perfectly legal cigarettes, alcohol, and firearms. What these new media giants are doing is no different. In fact, Bing did that as well last year. They extended their ban on advertisement of perfectly legal weapons to include BB guns, paintball guns, and air rifles, prohibiting more than 18 million ads. Keeping out frauds like tech support scams is one thing, but when you start restricting perfectly legal content, you're no longer an impartial search engine with open advertisements. You're a propaganda arm, and it makes one wonder how long it'll be before the search results themselves are compromised. Me, I'm sticking with DuckDuckGo. So all of that makes the Bing search engine this week's biggest bogani emitter. 
Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to percolate this week's Idiot Extraordinary. Oh my God. There is nothing funny about this one. I love it when we can end on a humorous note, but sadly, not this week. Not with this guy. I'm talking about Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin, who refused to vaccinate his kids, but, and sadly this is nothing we haven't seen before, but he deliberately infected his kids with chickenpox. He said in an interview on radio station WKCT that he made sure his children contracted the potentially deadly disease from a neighbor child who had it so they would become immune to chickenpox. He had to make sure his children got it so they wouldn't get it. I really don't understand this line of thinking. Apparently, this applies to all nine of Bevan's children who are aged 5 to 16. Quote, they were miserable for a few days, and they all turned out fine. Yeah, after going through unnecessary suffering, they were fine. Well, there were no problems after we finished torturing them. Bevan said he did this because he opposes mandatory vaccination. Quote, This is America. The federal government should not be forcing this upon people. They just shouldn't. Look. Even if you argue that vaccination is your choice, how is deliberately infecting your kids with a potentially deadly disease not child abuse? Chickenpox, known formally as the varicella zoster virus, or VZV, can cause a child misery for 10 to 21 days and can result in lesions, serious complications, and even death. Statistically, the vaccine prevents more than 10,000 hospitalizations and 100 deaths every year. Even children who cannot get the vaccine are protected, and infection among them has declined by 90% from 1995 to 2018. In 2015, chickenpox resulted in 6,400 deaths globally, down from 8,900 in 1990. Also, children who get chickenpox are at about a 20% risk of contracting shingles later in life. It's very important for adults who weren't vaccinated and didn't get chickenpox as a child to get vaccinated, and if you did have chickenpox, it's important to get your shingles vaccine when you turn 50. Of course, outbreaks are happening in areas where there's a concentration of people refusing to get the vaccine. People like Bevan are just causing unnecessary suffering for their own children and others. Vaccines work by provoking an immune response so that you can get an immunity to the disease without actually getting the disease. It makes no sense that someone would prefer getting the disease to become immune to the disease so they won't get it 
especially when there's a vaccine available like the varicella vaccine, which will practically eliminate any chance of infection by having your immune system create that exact same kind of immunity. So that means that only Matt Bevan could be this week's Idiot Well, that wraps up this No, This Is No Bad Dream edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe to Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Antonin Scalia. In the 1970s and 1980s, vaccines became, one might say, victims of their own success. They had been so effective in preventing infectious diseases that the public became much less alarmed at the threat of those diseases and much more concerned with the risk of injury from the vaccines themselves. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.pagosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.pagosity.tv now.